It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Minor Podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Anderson. How's everyone doing this week? Good, good. Yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, I broke my computer, so could have been better. Mm. And I think I have frostbite also. So again, could have been better. It is indeed cold. Yes. I, in fact, love the cold, so I'm not complaining. Even when it's cold, this kind of cold. I love this cold. How? For what reason? What brings you joy in this <laughs> in this weather? Because I'm always hot, basically. Oh, so like you since you run hot in the summer, it's like brutal. Yeah, I fucking hate the heat. Also, like uh, that's point one. Point two, you can always put on more clothes. You can't like take off more clothes either due to social reasons or because you like literally can't take off your skin. And point C, I like winter fashion. So. Yeah, I, that, that's I definitely agree there. I like winter fashion more than a warm weather fashion. I didn't know there was winter fashion. I just it's jacket and sweater and and yeah, that's fashion. You get like a different jacket, you get a different sweater, a different scarf. Yeah, I have so many jackets. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I just Amazing Avenue's number one fashion podcast. Uh huh. Weather we're, breaking and we're breaking the gender norms, you know, like it, it's 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 our podcast. That's the fashion one. Go us. We our podcast breaks a lot of ground. 
yeah. especially as we were discussing if the uh, lockout continues. <laughs> we're going to eat on stream. It'll be the oh. first audio-only mukbang, <laughs> mukbang, whatever it is. Oh, that's just, just like ASMR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's going to be like Sounds some, gross. Yeah, I don't understand the people who watch those. And the I Complex would, of Queens <laughs> presents a- a- ASMR. Uh, eating ASMR, just a bunch of lip smacking noises. <laughs> oh god! I'm sure that would be fun to edit. Oh no, thank you. Please stop. Please, <laughs> for the love of God. There's one right. dude on my lab floor who used to eat like that, and he seems to have left whatever lab he was in during the pandemic, so I don't have to listen to him eat like that anymore. But holy shit, it was the worst. That's rough. He might be dead now. I certainly right. hope not. Then I'd feel like a real <laughs> asshole. But <laughs> but at least he stopped. All right. So um, before we get to our top 25 prospect list, we have some legitimate news to talk about. So we're going to skip, you know, promote extend trade and all the trivial kind of things because we this week is serious business. And the international signing period opened up and the Mets made a number of signings. Uh, their bonus pool this year was basically $5.1 million. And as of the time that we're recording right now, they spent roughly $4.6 million or so. Though the number is not set in stone because terms are not publicly reported. So basically any monetary values that we're hearing are from you know insiders who are reporting you know what they've heard or what they think they heard. So... Things also, might all be, these deals totally happened in the last uh, 72 hours, you know? Totally haven't been agreed to per... No, of course notes. not. That would be illegal. Wait, that's illegal. <laughs> so anyway, um, the bulk of that money, the bulk of that $5.1 million, <coughs> excuse me, went to a pair of Dominican outfielders, Simon Juan and Willie Fanyas. Juan is currently the more heralded of the two. He's the only guy that the Mets signed that was uh, ranked by industry sources as being, you know, uh, among the best players available. Baseball America ranked him 14, and MLB Prospect Pipeline ranked him 16. So he got $1.9 million, which would be the fourth largest bonus in franchise history, behind Francisco Alvarez, Rodney Mauricio, and Alex Ramirez. And um, he bumped also Ahmed Rosario and the $1.7 million that he got down a notch. And just thinking about Ahmed Rosario being signed, that seems like so long ago. I know, right? Jeez. <laughs> it's literally like 10 years ago at this point. Yeah. It was what, 2012? Uh, that sounds right. So that sounds right off the top of my head, be- yeah might have been 13 but it was about that time period that's in the general frame <clears throat> yep and then fanyas received 1.5 million so that would tie him with such mets prospect luminaries as adrian hernandez and gregory guerrero so sometimes <sighs> oh gregory guerrero <laughs> sometimes gregory guerrero our, our gregory consolation Hernandez. prize for oh you, we were we almost signed vlad guerrero jr but yeah. we got this one instead it, it's, it's fine like, you ask for McDonald's and mom says you have, you know, French fries McDonald's at home. At home. <laughs> we have the relative of a generational hitting, hitter at home. <laughs> um, outside of those two guys, a handful of other players, they got six-figure bonuses. So here's a couple of guys. Venice Will and shortstop D'Angelo Sarmiento. 
he got seven hundred thousand dollars. Uh, Dominican shortstop Jesus Baez, he got two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. Another shortstop, Yonatan Henriquez, he got a hundred and four k. Dominican outfielder uh, Hefri Rosa, he got a hundred thousand dollars. And maybe some more names will kind of trickle out. But as far as right now, those are the only guys that got six-figure bonuses. Everyone else, um, you know, less than $100,000. Uh, I'm not going to get into the scattering reports or analyze these guys too much because, honestly, it's pointless. They're, you know, as raw as raw. Um, yeah. A 16-year-old scattering yeah. report from, like, one person who saw it. Literally, okay. literally exactly. the only video I've seen on any of these guys is some video of Simon Wan. <laughs> Like, would you? And he's like very much my shit. Like leany, lean, athletic outfielder dude, and that's about it. Yep. Yep. Cool. cool. I Let's would go so far as to say that anything we hear about any of these guys is directly from the teams that. Correct. Yeah, you, know, you extremely can't trust what you hear them. from these guys. You think I read on Baseball America that Simon Wan's swing <laughs> is like not natural or something and then the video i think he's got a very natural looking swing so who the hell knows yeah the video looked good but also it's I, a, it's I was like oh that's a nice looking swing <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. well who knows it, these are names that to watch though as we go into the next few years probably yeah. talk about them way too much because the system remains super thin and yeah especially once they actually start getting into affiliated ball and all that stuff <laughs> Because who knows what the system looks like by then, because it'll be a, like a, a little bit from now. Mm-hmm. Basically, in terms of like following them for baseball purposes, you can just basically forget all these guys exist for like another two, three years, you know, because outside of one, I'm going to do that. Like yeah. I, I already know that I'm going to be like, oh, they signed him then. OK, none of none of these guys are the type that's going to get aggressively pushed to the complex or something like they're all going to be in the DSL for a season or two. And if you scout by DSL stat lines, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Who knows what the hell? I mean, going it's on. possible they push Juan aggressively like um, yeah. he's supposed to be actually good. But like, who knows? Like Alvarez went straight to the complex. Did he? Um, yeah, yeah, I saw him as a 17-year-old. Um, mm. Who else? Ramirez went very early. Yeah. A few guys they've pushed. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the the way that it's done now with the signings being... Uh, uh, well, the guys that are old enough to be legally signed uh, in January, you know, it kind of changes the trajectory of things now that it's in January and not in the middle of the summer That's like true. it used to be. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, suffice to say, you know, we we hope all these guys work out because a it benefits the Mets, but even more so it, it benefits these players and their families. And I was looking at just some numbers uh, pretty quickly, and you know we've mentioned a bunch of times how the entire system is very broken; it needs reform. You know, you have shitty practices of the Buscones who are you know not above stealing from the players or, or using steroids and all kind of stuff to the baseball clubs themselves where they have all the power and players don't have any, you know, recourse if things go sideways. But at the end of the day, even like the smallest bonus is really life altering for these kids and their families. Most of these countries that these players are coming from are pretty dysfunctional. And unfortunately, that's mostly our fault, you know, the U.S., but that's neither here nor there. 
but even the smallest bonuses that these guys getting are, are getting it's like massive the basic living wage in the dominican republic and keep in mind a living wage is you know not comfortable living but at least you're having your basic kind of needs met it is 235,000 dominican pesos which comes out to roughly $7,300 so mm-hmm. a guy that we kind of write off getting you know a $10,000 bonus that's basically like a, a year a year's income for his family so you know that's that's huge for some of these kids and and the backgrounds that they have and everything <clears throat> so like i said you know most of these guys just names to kind of put in the back that back of your brain and just kind of pocket for a while but hopefully we hear about you know all these guys turning into all-stars would be nice i i do want to say there was a very good article in the athletic about this stuff um mm-hmm. by maria torres um rosenthal was also on the byline but um Maria Torres is a prospects writer for the athletic and it was, it was very good. And it's like, if you don't know about, if you don't know the details of some of this stuff, it's out there and in writing in the athletic. And it's just, it's a lot like even people who know how it is when you read it all in one sitting, you're like, Oh, you know, like how is this allowed to continue? And no one really cares. Like some people care, but they eventually just do it anyway some teams care and some it's just it's just a bad system mm-hmm. and it needs to be fixed well i mean i doubt that it's going to be something that's addressed when the cba between you know between mlb and the union is finally actually made but who knows we'll see but unlikely and i don't know i'm cynical about how a draft even fixes anything because it, like it, yeah like it does to some degree but there's still major like issues that, I mean, like i, I feel like you could just take the draft like mm-hmm. and do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, but the draft will stop. Like, is the draft perfect? No, but the draft will stop twelve yes. or thirteen-year-old kids from being. And like, that's the worst part that's, of this. Yes, that's for sure. I agree with you. I think they should do a draft, like just out there. But well, it's I still, mean, like, that's you're still gonna have just like you have pre-draft deals with players. You're still gonna have stuff like that going on, but it won't be as going as far back as like twelve, thirteen. That will yeah, probably exactly. be helped. But, I mean, 15, 14, you know, like, uh, who knows? You could probably up the age, I guess, to make it feel a little better. But even then, it's kind of, like, fake. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like I said, I'm not getting my hopes up. Um, Something, though, that I will get my hopes up are now the the next couple of players I'm going to be talking about this week. Um, We've... Went through 25 through 10 over the last couple of weeks. So now we're in the top 10. And this week, we're going to be starting with outfielder Alexander Ramirez. And he was an international free agent. He was signed out of the Dominican Republic in 2019. And he signed for $2.05 million, which was and still is the third highest um, sum given to uh, an international rookie. He would have played in 2020 if COVID hadn't happened, but it did. Um, so he made his professional debut this year, <clears throat> and he played with the St. Lucie Mets. He was the second youngest player in the Low A Southeast, and he was one of only three 18-year-olds to play in the entire league, along with Alexander Mojica, who is a Pittsburgh prospect, 
and Jason Dominguez, who is a Yankees prospect. And Ramirez pretty much held his own. Uh, all in all, he was roughly a league average hitter. He hit 258, 326, 384 with five home runs, 16 stolen bases in 23 attempts, and a 23 to 104 walk to strikeout ratio. So one to five, basically, which is well, one to four, which is not good. Um, but you know, he is. It, it was literally his first taste of professional baseball. So. There's going to be, obviously, uh, things that need to be improved, and that is one of them. But he's an yeah, exciting it was, player. It wasn't it wasn't a perfect season. Like, he didn't no. explode a la, oh, who's a similarly aged IFA who exploded this year? Yuri Perez? Let's go with that. Something like that. Like, he didn't vault up list, but this is, I think this is unquestionably positive to be this young and be basically mm-hmm. league average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I find that incredibly impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Factor in the new country too, pretty much, and everything mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah, I think we've yeah. commented about the culture shock that must be involved here. That was one thing when I was looking at the numbers that I, I said to myself I should go back and look at some other players to see kind of how common this is, but I never did because I'm a lazy piece of shit, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> um, at night, this is an interesting stat at night Ramirez <clears throat> hit 235 287 348 with a 35.1% strikeout rate and a 5.9% walk rate in day games Ramirez hit 296 386 443 with a 25% strikeout rate and a 8.3% walk rate it's like the reverse so, Josh Hamilton Yes, Josh right. Hamilton for years in the majors because of his dreamy blue eyes or whatever couldn't <laughs> hit for shit during the day, <laughs> but was for a time one of the better hitters in baseball at night. I I, I wonder if it's just because he didn't play at night a lot. In yeah, that's right, probably exactly. the real that's... reason. <laughs> no, I know, but like I never thought about that ever. Like I've never thought about that until this moment right now. So I'm like verbalizing me thinking about it. But, yeah, that's yeah. why I was like, it's that's why I, I wanted to look to see if it's something that is, you know, common or, or common enough, that's or is this just something like? It's also, it's a, there are also vision issues that are worse at night, and that's true. <laughs> like actual vision issues. <laughs> yeah, like not yeah. and not and vision issues that are eminently uh, fixable. Like right? dudes so, like might have an astigmatism or something. Exactly. Right? Like, <laughs> That's a, it, it's a very correctable problem. And if you yeah. can take those daytime numbers and make him, them his all of the time numbers, well, well you got a, a stew going, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine if, if if he hit 296, 386, 443 in his debut season as an 18 year old in low A, Probably that would top three. <laughs> be a top 120 ish prospect oh, yeah. in baseball Easily. and yeah. probably the. <laughs> fourth i might have him fourth in the system at that yeah point. I, that's if he hits 300 at 18 yeah <laughs> yeah yes he, we'll lower it. and it's like huh <laughs> uh, yeah i mean uh he's he's a fun player he's got a combination of speed and power you know he he the, the hit tool needs to be worked on but again he's 18 year old and this was yeah. his first year as a professional so of course it needs to be worked on and it will be worked on so. i do have one complaint 
Mm-hmm. If you search Alexander Ramirez Fangraphs in Google and click on oh, the first link, you get the it other brings guy. up the Angels Alexander Ramirez, who is the same age mm-hmm. and also an outfielder with a broadly similar profile. Well, that's <laughs> it annoying. pisses me the hell off. It's so <laughs> annoying because like there's been times where I'm like, that's not the am, am I confused? Right did I did I imagine this person? No, so annoying. I think they actually have our Alexander Ramirez as Alex Ramirez. Then to do a bit of trolling during the SB Nation offseason sim, I traded ours and then traded for the the Angels one. <laughs> That's good. That'll help the uh, the algorithm. Really, it helps the help the reading comprehension for the viewers. You know, <clears throat> on on my Firefox, I have Alex Ramirez as a search, and then Alex Ramirez Mets like right after, like they both come up <laughs> at the same time when I type in his first name. Because I've done that a do. bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I've done that a bunch of times too. We've all been there. All right, so Alex Ramirez, outfielder number nine. Number eight is another outfielder. Um, he is a newcomer, and that is Nick Plummer. And the Mets basically signed him as a free agent at the begin, uh, the end of November. And he instantly became one of our top prospects. The same thing happened last season when the Mets signed... Sam McWilliams. McDonald. McWilliams, yes. McDonald. I don't know. I was, it was a mix something or other, but obviously that didn't work out. So crossing my fingers that it works out with Plummer, because he's a pretty exciting player. He's um <clears throat> he was drafted originally out of high school by the St. Louis Cardinals in the 23rd, excuse me, in the first round, 23rd overall in the 2015 draft. And he did pretty well. Uh, yeah, he, he did fairly well in his debut and he was considered one of the Cardinals top prospects, but then he had an injury at an unfortunate time in his baseball development. He broke his hemi bone and basically missed the entire season 2016 right after he debuted. Um, and when he finally got back on the field in 2017, he didn't really do too well. He struggled and the struggle continued and the struggles continued. And basically in 2019, after the season, um, the Cardinals revamped his entire swing and everyone was kind of psyched like, Oh, okay. This looks like it's going to actually, you know, have the intended effect here and really, you know, help you tap into your latent potential here. And then, of course, you know, 2020, the season never happened. That's a, that's been like a theme almost. Like, yeah, I, how many guys have made really big strides or done something? And then it's like and then COVID stopped their entire development for a yep. year. But. Things just didn't, you know, get lit on fire and thrown away in in Plummer's case, because when he finally got back on the field in 2021, this past season, he did pretty well Um, in 90 games with the Springfield Cardinals, which is St. Louis's double A affiliate. He hit 283, 404, 489 with 13 homers, nine stolen bases and 17 attempts and 53 walks to 108 strikeouts. And that's pretty good. He was promoted to uh, the Memphis Redbirds, which is their AAA team, in late August, and he played with them for about a month, 27 games. And he hit 267, 455, 440, 
with a uh, two homers, four stolen bases in five attempts, and a 20 to 18 walk to strike at ratio. So you're speaking my language now. Yep. Give me those yep. sweet, sweet plate discipline boys. So all in all, in Double A AA and Triple A, Plummer hit 280, 415, 479 with 15 homers. 13 stolen bases and 73 walks to 126 strikeouts. And then he became a free agent and now he is a Met. And, you know, the the Mets don't really have too many outfield prospects as we've seen on this list. And, you know, everything that Plummer brings to the table is like pretty good. Yeah, our outfield depth is bad. It is. Not good. Well, hopefully Plummer it's, can fill. Plummer is like a few things for me because like on one hand, it's smart that the Mets do this because they don't have these guys. And when they become free agents, you sign them also. But like he's already the eighth best prospect in the system. And that was like consensus. Like he got signed and we put it in our in our Slack DM and it was like, oh, he's top 10. Right. And everyone's like, yep. It was like, damn. They just signed yeah. this dude. <laughs> like, it's just a, a minor league signing. It's just instantly not even a question top 10 prospect. That's how thin the system is. I like Thomas, that. Is like that this. what you want? No, it's not. It's really not. Like, not because, much. like, yes, he's like an ex, like, he's going to be, I think he's going to be a major league player. And it's like, pro, even if he's a fourth outfielder, he's going to be a useful player. But it's like, should that really just be a locked in immediate top 10 guy? Like, that's how thin everything is. See, I, I want to catch flack for overrating this guy and putting him in my top 10, not have everyone agree with me when I put him in my top 10. <laughs> takes the fun out of it. I you love when they yell at me for overrating these outfielders. I love when things like this happen. Literally every single one of us ranked him seventh in the system. <laughs> and that's like literally perfect for him. That's right yeah. where he should be. That's insane. <laughs> It's great no. because they signed a top 10 prospect, but also yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> you shouldn't be able to sign top 10 <laughs> prospects. No. Anyway, do this more, Matt, until you get the, the foundation to just make them yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of making them themselves, um, and the next player on our list, number seven, is kind of a Mets prospect. I mean, he... he also recently became one, but at least he has a, another year under his belt than Plummer does. And that is outfielder Khalil Lee. And the Mets got him in a trade at, at, right before the season, the, this past season. Um, it was a very complicated trade. Lots of pieces went all over the place between Kansas City, the Mets, and Boston. But Mets got Khalil Lee back. He was pretty highly touted uh, outfielder in their system. But kind of similar to Plummer. Like, there was a lot of potential, but he just wasn't really realizing it too much. Um, during the twenty canceled 2020 season, like Plummer, Khalil Lee made some swing changes, and everyone got hyped about them. And for the most part, Mets fans who saw Khalil Lee are going to say that, well, clearly those changes did not do anything, because... In spring training, he literally went hitless, 0 for 16. 16 at-bats is not that many, but still. And during his major league call-up, he went 1 and 18 in 11 games. That one was a hell of a hit, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So people who have not seen him in the minor leagues are going to say, clearly this guy sucks. But 
from when he got sent that he got called up and he got called up twice and sent down twice. And from the beginning of his time in Syracuse after his second call down, which is uh, uh, sent down, which is basically June 1st until the end of the season, 96 games in AAA, Lee hit 275, 449, 511 with 14 home runs, seven stolen bases in 15 attempts, and a 66 to 109 strikeout to, excuse me, walk to strikeout ratio. So. I think a lot of people, what's a good way of saying this? He made a bad first impression. There on, you go. He on a, a lot bad. of, um, like, people who are just going to watch the Mets, which, sure. like Fil- Filthy casuals. Don't be sickos like us who are, like, <laughs> you know, but we are the sickos for you. But, um, yeah. like, he was really not good, but he was also really not ready. Just. Yep. It was an unfortunate injury circumstance, but and they they fixed it by not having him around as quickly as possible. But mm-hmm. well, it's similar to Nick Plummer. Clearly, you know, it's an exciting combination of, of speed and power and, and ability to play the outfield. Um, and if he can figure everything out, like that's mm-hmm. like, it checks off a lot of you know boxes. But if he can figure things out, is going to be question um he just kind of he he has an uppercutty swing and he i'm not going to say he struggles to identify breaking balls but you know he needs to get better at that and are those things that you know are going to get fixed at this point in his baseball career you know he's been a, a, a been playing professionally for a couple of years now new team new coaching and then obviously he's at a different point in his life and career now than he was a couple of years ago but we'll see i mean the strikeouts you know 29.6 percent strikeout rate is not good um in in the 102 games of syracuse <laughs> he had a comical very very comical strikeout rate when he was with the mets 72.2 percent oh yeah it was rate. very clearly just like yeah not, not ready for prime time there which not his fault, uh, but honestly, that might have been a good learning experience for him. As much as that as shitty as that sounds, because he just tore up Syracuse after that. Mm-hmm. Like he was just like, all right, that's what it's like up there. I got you. Like I I, I see the difference now. You know. Well, here's hoping because, like we said before, the Mets can use uh, some proficient oh. outfielders. Outfield depth poor. Yeah, it's just. It's rough. I mean, we we were a few years ago being like Tebow could un like legitimately be an outfield depth option. That's how thin it is, and it has not gotten better. So here we are. The only reason why Tebow didn't get called up is because he wasn't playing. Yes, but he is a free agent, so they should sign Tebow. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so we are up to prospect number six now. And that is right-handed pitcher JT Ginn. And the Mets acquired him in 2020. He was their second round pick um, in a similar strategy employed, you know, uh, in 2019 when they were able to draft Matthew Allen. They did the same thing <clears throat> and they drafted uh, JT Ginn over slot. He was available, of course, because he had just had Tommy John surgery and, you know, that's never good for your <laughs> draft stock. But he recovered from Tommy John, and he made his professional debut with the Mets in early June. He um, threw a bunch of innings for St. Lucie, and he continued pitching there until mid-July, and then he got promoted to Brooklyn, and he finished out the season there. And all in all, it was a solid professional debut for him. He had a 3.03 ERA in 38.2 innings with St. Lucie and 53.1 innings with Brooklyn. And he allowed 50, uh, excuse me, he allowed 75 hits. Uh, he walked 22 and he struck out 81. And, um, you know, the, the biggest thing I think with Ginn is that coming back from Tommy John, we didn't, we, we don't know if his fastball is going to recover the extra oomph that it had when he was in college. This point, uh, at Throughout the season this year, it basically sat in the low 90s. It topped out around 94, occasionally touched 95. When he was pitching at Mississippi State, it sat in the low to mid 90s and could reportedly touch the upper 90s. So, you know, the difference between 95 and let's say 98 is pretty big. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if you, you know, you're going to rear back and you want to, you know, just blow a ball past a guy. You know, you're not really going to be blowing a ball past a guy with a 95 mile per hour fastball. It's not bad by no means, but that little extra oomph is, is pretty, pretty big. But luckily, um, striking guys out is not Ginn's major thing. You know, he does get tons of strikes, strikeouts. But he's more of a ground ball guy. Um, in St. Lucie, in his innings in St. Lucie, he had a 57.7% ground ball rate. And in Brooklyn, he had a 64.1% ground ball rate. And he allowed just three home runs over the entire year. So ground balls are, I would say, more of his game than the strikeouts, though the strikeouts definitely do come. And, you know, he has a good, uh, he has sink on his fastball. It has an above average uh, spin rate and it has that downward axis in, instead of that upward axis like we were talking about with um, Dominic Hamill last week where it appears that it's rising. With Ginn, it has downward sync. So batters have trouble, you know, lifting the ball. And then obviously, um, you know, he wouldn't be such a, a highly prized draft prospect if he didn't have other good pitches and he does. His slider is an above average to possibly plus pitch. And his changeup is, you know, an average pitch. So it's it's a good uh, combination. 
Uh, I feel like, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I feel like I overranked him and I feel like I can set, like I've rethought the ranking as I've sat on it more. I'm a little lower. Like I don't see the, let's see. You ranked I just him. don't know where you put him otherwise eight. though in the system. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, well, you ranked him eight, Lucas. Where would you put him if you could redo it? Yeah, I guess I already had him below the outfielders, Lee and Plummer. So yeah, so where are you gonna put him? Like, you know, what I want him, what I want now, I'd still want him over Ramirez. Christ, this system sucks. Yeah, uh, that's the problem. <laughs> still, I want to put him lower. There's no yeah, one to put him yeah. lower than. That's why not all top twenty-fives are created equal. Like. He's not eight in someone else's or seven or whatever he is in someone else's system. You know? Yeah, Andy Rodriguez would be like a top five prospect in this system. He's 10th for the Pirates. Ginn would be like their 20th best prospect or something. I don't know. Also, the Pirates, though, still screw that up somehow. Yeah. It's... <laughs> well, I mean, two things to consider when it comes to Ginn to maybe make you uh, give you a little more rosy picture is that this was his first year back from Tommy John, and as we know, a lot of times, most of the time, guys are not fully, you know, they're able to pitch to varying degrees of, you know, usefulness, but all of their stuff is not necessarily back. So, you know, he might get that extra little oomph on his fastball back. Um, and also, his control is pretty good. Like, he, let's see, Gin should probably have had that up already before i started talking about it but you know a lot of times guys struggle to find the the plate and everything but this mm-hmm. year again had a 2.2 walk per uh walk per nine rate uh i'm just interested no. to see how he goes see how he does mm-hmm. he's just a kind of a wild card for me and at the end of the day if he is a you know, if he's not uh, Noah Syndergaard, but he is uh, a more successful version of like Corey Oswald or something, that's still a, it's still a success. Yeah, that's fine. You know, not everybody. The Mets had this incredible run. You know, at the beginning of the decade, in the middle of the decade, where every single guy that was coming up was turning into an ace, and that's not the norm, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I they, guess they got all that luck out of the way, you know. Real quick. <laughs> yeah. I guess um I might have been more excited about this profile five years ago, but in modern baseball it feels like you can leverage uh uh maybe less durable arms for better quality innings. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe it's okay. I mean, yeah. guys like Stroman can make it work, but also that's he's an exception. Right, Stroman's very much the exception, yeah. Yeah, he's an exception. I'm not saying he's not, but, like, it's possible it happens. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call him the next Brandon Webb and call it a day. But Brandon Webb fair. was, like, the most disgustingly dominant pitcher in baseball for two years and then just and never it. pitched again. Yeah, that was it. He got hurt and that was it. What was this? His year was 2006. Like Six, he should have. Like that. That, did that's he win still... the Cy Young or no. was he? Yes. I'm he pretty did? sure he did. I'm pretty sure oh. he's a Cy Young winner. Okay. Good. I was just say, or is he like one of those guys where it's just like you, you look at the voters and you're just like, what the hell are you guys thinking? Uh, Do I know that because I'm pretty sure he got an awards card in Emo in the show? Yeah. <laughs> uh, makes sense. <laughs> Listen, whatever works. However, you know. 
Video games are educational, see? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he won the Cy Young in 06. Okay. It was between him, Chris Carpenter, and someone else. And I don't know who. Too early for Lincecum. Uh I didn't realize how good Chris Carpenter was to change topics a little bit. Chris that Carpenter was great, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize how good he was. Let's see. Brandon Webb won the Cy Young Award in 2016. He was voted number one. Number two was uh, Trevor Hoffman. That's an odd one. Yes, relievers winning the Cy Young. <laughs> yes, yes. Number two was Trevor Hoffman. Here's a bunch of these. It's just like a blast from the past here. So two was Trevor Hoffman. Three was Chris Carpenter. Four was Roy Oswalt. Oh, hell five yeah. was, was good, yeah. Five was, was Carlos Zambrano. <laughs> Six was Billy Wagner. Seven sure. was John Smoltz. And eight was Takashi Saito. What are you doing, man? Was Smoltz, was Smoltz a reliever then? Uh, He was not. He threw 200, uh, yeah, 232 innings. He led the league and game started. So not a reliever. No. Nope. That's pretty crazy. That just because to do that and just like didn't have his arm explode. Yep. <laughs> just because it's fun. Let's look at the Cy Young Award on the AL side now before we get back on track. Number one was Johan Santana. Number two was Chin Ming Wang. Number three was Roy Holiday. Number four was K Rod. Number what five was. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of relievers here. Number five is Joe Nathan. Um, tied for fifth, actually, it was Joe Nathan and Kenny Rogers. And last but not least is Justin Verlander. Mm. Oh, my Just God. Justin, remember some guys. Justin Verlander had a 363 ERA. What a shitty ERA for him. Mm-hmm. That's enough about JT again, please. I'm getting depressed. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's going to be the next Justin Verlander, so don't worry. Well, maybe this next guy will be the next Justin Verlander. Who knows? Probably not, but never, never lose hope. And that is right-handed pitcher Matthew Allen, who is coming in <clears throat> at number five. And the Mets very famously acquired him in the 2019 draft. That was a very fun draft. Um, he finally made his he, he made his professional debut uh, that summer in 2019. He posted some very forgettable innings for the GCL Mets and then he posted some very memorable innings for the Brooklyn Cyclones. He helped them get into the playoffs and he helped them in the playoffs themselves. He was uh, actually a pretty important member of that playoff uh, team. But, you know, he he lost the 2020 season because of COVID. Um, though he, he did play at the alternate site and, you know, he impressed many in the organization and blah, 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 that kind of stock uh, quote. But basically, he was going to return most likely to Brooklyn in 2021 when the season started. But right before the season started, they announced that he partially tore his UCL and needed Tommy John surgery. So that was the end of that. He missed the entire season, this past season, and he'll probably return to the mound July next upcoming season you know august possibly it's but, gonna be the uh, jt Ginn year yeah i mean 
his loss was definitely a big hit to everything, to the system, to our excitement about the season. Um, yeah, it was it was a rude he, awakening. He has or had the prototypical, like, what I want in a modern starting pitching prospect kit. Let's hope it's still there when he's healthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's a... Six foot three, two hundred twenty-five pounds. He's you know he's gonna throw innings. His fastball basically sat ninety-four, ninety-five, and then had the ability to top out a little bit more. It had some movement. It had some arm side run. His curveball is, you know, I'm not gonna say it's like Doc Gooden or or Kershawian, but it was a really good curveball. It was. Probably the best in the system, right? Yeah, I was going to say. Oh, easily, easily. It's one of those things where you don't have to be somebody that watches tons and tons and tons of developing, you know, baseball players to see the pitch and go, wow, that's a good pitch. You know, like you can just see him bend one off and you're like, oh, geez, that is different from every what else everybody else is throwing on the field here. But. You know, who knows what it's going to look like when it comes back. Same thing with his fastball. Who knows what that's going to look like when he comes back. And then rounding out his his arsenal at this point in time was a changeup that, you know, is developing. But it, it was probably a fringe. Uh, it, it was developing pitch that definitely could have been average or better with a little bit more use. You know, he was a successful high school pitcher that had a dominating fastball and curveball. You didn't really need to throw the change up too much. So he didn't, but when he did, it looked good. So, you know, it's just one of those things where you wanted to see him throw it more to get, you know, the, uh, to work the kinks out of it and everything. But I mean, he was a guy that before the Tommy John had two definite above average to plus pitches and, you know, a, a fringe, possibly average pitch, you know, potentially, and now who knows? Mm. I mean, it's not to you know, Tommy John isn't a death knell or anything like that nowadays. Plenty of guys do come back, but at the same time, you know, the Mets' you, recent track record is yeah, is that's Bob. and that's the thing that worries me more than the Tommy John itself is that like the Mets have not necessarily done the greatest job with Tommy John stuff in the minors. I mean, Degrom had it in the minors and he was fine, obviously, but Marcus <laughs> exactly, you know. Like, like if if that's the first person that comes to mind, it was like, oh, that was fine. I was like, well, he's like thirty something now. So, <laughs> well, Ginn came back and he's he's looked okay. So hopefully, Allen comes back and he looks at least okay. Yeah, he does that. Then if Allen comes back and looks mostly fine and healthy, then I'll be like, okay, well, we'll see you how you go next year. Mm-hmm. The thing that sucks is I talked about this on a podcast with Jeff uh, Paternostro, but you could have made the case when he was healthy to call him up last year if he was good because you use your bullets for the guy in the majors instead of the minors because you don't know when it's going to happen. And, well, it happened before the season started. <laughs> yeah. There's you know, no bullets. no bullets at all. Hopefully, if everything's good, he just has his fresh new arm for a decade and we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, so. uh, like you said, it worked with Degrom. So hopefully that's the other side of it, but we'll see. So I think conservatively we can say that Allen will be the next Degrom. 
conservatively, yes. Conservatively, okay. of course. Non-conservatively, he's the next uh, Walter Johnson. Is the is the name I'm going for? Well, he didn't. He doesn't have that. Marcos Molina was going to be the next Walter Johnson. They had the same <laughs> kind of mechanics and everything, but yeah, it, it just it was such a such a demoralizing blow to lose him. It was a bummer because, like, you could have made a case that he could have risen to, like, one or two in the system with a good season and would have been, like, a top 100 guy. Yeah. With with how, like, put together he was as a high school pitcher. Yeah, and, I mean, if if Allen had a good season, presumably he would have started the year in Brooklyn and then would have been bumped up to Binghamton. So you would have basically a 20-year-old in Binghamton putting up good numbers, and you know the scouting report is also exceptional. That yeah. would definitely have been the number two prospect in the system. Yeah. And, you know, sounds like a, a top hundred prospect to me. Of course, yeah. And, like, unfortunately, things happened, and here we are. But luckily, Tommy John, like you said, is not the RIP to the career like it used to be. If it was, like, TOS, I'd be like, oh, man, <laughs> what yeah, are we doing a- here? But. It's a little more uh, complicated. <sighs> All right, so those are prospects nine through five. An exciting bunch of players. Um, where do you, I, I? I guess that where, where would you guys all say like the cutoff between like those definite guys? Uh, well, let me rephrase that. So like. Like Lucas is saying about his placement of JT Ginn, like, oh. he, is he in front of, like, a Ramirez or, you know, in front of the, you know, Khalil Lee and Nick Plummer? Like, where in the system do you guys think, like, that cutoff happened where these are all, like, definite guys and then you're getting to the point where now it's just starting to rearrange the the... the Chairs the Titanic, yeah. I I would say I guess around number seven or eight this year yeah, is where we're probably. starting to. That's where it starts to get juicy. Yeah, probably. At least by my preference, I would have, and not all in the same tier. Like there are tiers within the, the top group, but I'd have a top seven with, uh, one through four who we haven't discussed. Mm-hmm. I might even kick out one of the ones in that group but that would be extra spicy um and then i would and then alan who we just talked about and then i'd have the two outfielders and then below that is where i kind of say Bleh, i don't want any more of this <laughs> yeah at that point it kind of doesn't matter after them yeah i feel like the like even at 10 you could put kind of whoever and like, we all kind of we all kind of did <laughs> Like True. at ten, my ten was a was a backup catcher probably, you know, and like that's not exactly exciting, and that's your tenth prospect in the system, and seven universally was a guy they signed three months ago, like okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which made this list year this the list this year very difficult. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since we've had a system where it's top to bottom one through ten it's just like oh yeah obviously these guys are top ten players i mean long gone to the years of like 
Wheeler, all, all on the same list, the Wheelers and the Syndergaards and the Pleweckis and the, the, the Nimmos and the, who else, some of the Cesar Pueos and the Wilmer Floreses. Cesar Pueo. Oh, I love him. <laughs> I love him. You know, those are good times, and, and the system was much stronger at the top than it is now. But, you know, some of the development of these players – uh, and and a good draft hopefully and maybe you know when we're doing this list next year it's like one to 15 is is consensus like these guys are all great knock on Look, wood that would be great they have not quite as much but similar draft capital to what the pirates did did uh in this most recent draft and the pirates just like crushed it will the mets crush it i don't know they certainly haven't recently, but they could, and we could be talking about like four completely new names here next year. So, yeah, yeah they have a chance to actually kind of bolster the top of their system. They just have so many shots at it. Well, I'm sure we'll talk long, have some long discussions about what they should do, why that's hard, uh, how they're likely to mess it up given recent <laughs> events. You know, a lot of time to discuss these things. Well. We've got uh, hopefully, well, I mean, regardless of what happens with the lockout, there will be a minor league season. So we'll have we'll have time to see what goes on with all these players. So that's good for us, at least. All right. Well, if anyone has any questions, comments or whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. So we'll be back next week to finish up our Top 25 2022 Mets Top Prospect list. So until then... Love the Mets. Love the Mets.